Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, taking an in-depth look at the book of 1 Peter. The first letter of Peter was written to Christ followers who were scattered throughout the known world. They were learning to live out their faith in a whole new world. Peter doesn't want them to be surprised by suffering and persecution. He wants them to see those things as an opportunity to live out their faith. As we study this book together, we'll learn that no matter what happens, we have a God who cares for us, and we have the hope that we will one day be with Him. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. We want to welcome you again to Valleybrook. We're glad you're here at our campus in Granby as well as our online campus. We're going to jump right into this message from the first letter of Peter. In the early 1900s, 16-year-old William Whiting Borden graduated from the Hill School in Pottstown, Pennsylvania. It's a prestigious boarding school known for sending its alumni to Princeton University. He was an heir to the Borden family mining fortune, and he had a clear path to wealth and success set before him. But before Borden began his Ivy League education at Yale University, his parents sent him on a year-long trip around the world as a graduation present. Early in his life, Borden had come to faith in Christ, and while traveling the world, something happened that no one expected. He was moved by the spiritual and physical needs of the people that he saw all around the world. He wrote a letter to his parents. And he informed them that he wanted to spend his life now as a missionary. One of his friends remarked that becoming a missionary would be tantamount to throwing his life away. So upon his return, he went to Yale and he graduated. He then studied and graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary. And when his ministry preparation was completed, he boarded a ship to Asia to serve among the Muslims in China's Gansu province. Along the way, he stopped in Cairo to learn Arabic and to study Islam. And then in Egypt, Borden contracted spinal meningitis. Less than a month later, he died. He was only 25 years old. Now, Borden had walked away from his fortune to take the gospel of Jesus to the nations of the world. Most people regarded his death as a tragedy. However, God took that tragedy and did something far greater than Borden could ever do for himself. When young men and women read Borden's stories in the newspapers in the United States, it inspired them to leave all that they had and to give their lives to reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. At key points along in his life, Borden wrote a series of phrases in his Bible. While he struggled with his desire to become a missionary against his father's heavy disapproval, he wrote these words, no reserves. Toward the end of his time in Yale, where he had started a Bible study, attended by three-quarters of the school's student population, he wrote these words, no retreats. And as he lay dying of spinal meningitis in Cairo, he wrote these last words, no regrets. William Borden's life was cut short by an illness, but he decided he would live his life all out for the glory of God, leaving nothing in reserve. 
giving it all, not retreating, but advancing, living a no regrets life for the glory of God. You know, the reality is this, none of us, none of us knows how long we have on this earth. And so the words of the Apostle Peter in today's chapter 4 of his first letter should come as a bold reminder to all of us of what is of ultimate value in our lives. In the fourth chapter, Peter writes these words, the end of the world is coming soon. The end of the world is coming soon. Now, uh, recently, I've had a conversation about the end times when Jesus will come back to earth and establish his kingdom on the earth. Now, with the pandemic, some people are wondering if, if this is a sign of the end times. Well, the simple answer to that question is it's not. It is not a sign of the end times. According to scripture, a whole lot more has to happen that would indicate that these were the end times. And those things are not happening. But when it comes to how we prepare for the end times, we should be more concerned with what Jesus taught about our preparation rather than trying to figure out when the end times are coming. Jesus himself specifically said that, that we should prepare and be prepared always. Now, when, when Peter says that the end of the world is coming soon, it's not a scary thing. It's not a sad thing because that will be the day that the living hope that Peter has talked about in the first chapter of his letter will be realized. And in that same chapter, we will know that it will be the day when we will receive our imperishable inheritance. So we should eagerly await the day that Jesus returns. And while the, the world as we know it will change and his, his kingdom will be established on earth, it will be a great time because we will be living in the presence of our Lord and Savior forever. So let's look at what Scripture tells us. Let's look at specifically what Peter tells us in this chapter about how we should live in light of the end times. Here's the first thing he says. Be disciplined. Now, what's he talking about? I'm going to get into it. Uh, let me ask you a question. Did you know that there have been at least 175 times in recorded history where people have said that the end of the world was going to come, that it was predicted so strongly that they shared it widely. Some of those people had, were followers of Jesus Christ. Some of those people were followers of other faith, and some of them had no faith at all. Of the Christians, you may recognize some of their names. People like Jerry Falwell, Tim LaHaye, Jerry Jenkins, Jonathan Edwards, Pat Robertson, John Hagee, and many more. Now, why am I mentioning that? Because here's the point. They were all wrong. They were all wrong. And along the way, there were people who believed these false predictions, and they got stressed out, they got stirred up, and some of them even did things that led to their premature deaths. Now, as I said a moment ago, when it comes to the end times, we should follow the teaching of Jesus. And here's what he specifically said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So you must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now, the Apostle Peter knew this. So that's why he wrote this sentence. He said, the end of the world is coming soon. But here's the next phrase. 
Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Being earnest and disciplined carries with it the idea to be watchful, to be ready. He's saying, don't panic. Be prayerful. Don't be anxious. Be attentive. Don't be frantic. Be faithful. You know, as I was thinking about that this week, I realized that while it's not the end of times, these past 12 months have been something that in many ways have been so different that we, we obviously have faced those feelings of panic and anxiety and being frantic. But God has called us to be prayerful, to be attentive, and to be faithful. You know, in reality, it actually was a year ago, this very weekend, when we made the decision to close our building and take all of our ministries online for a season. And after about three and a half months, uh, we were able to uh, open up and begin to invite people who were comfortable with to come back in the building so that they could worship here, but also providing online services. And, and the reality is that, that we've done that knowing that these things that have come our way have caused us to, to pivot and change but the message continues to go forward, even if the means have changed a little bit. And the reality is this. As we move forward through this time that's caused us to change how we do things, we're 100% committed to online services and 100% committed to in-person services. And that's because we've recognized something has come in front of us that we had to deal with, and we've made those changes remaining to be prayerful and attentive and, a faithful, and faithful to Jesus. So back to what Peter is saying. Yes, both Jesus and the prophets predicted that Jesus would return someday and that he would, uh, the world as we know it, would end, but Jesus would establish his kingdom on earth for all those who believe in him and all those who follow him. So we need to be prayerful and attentive and faithful. Let's talk about how we do that. Uh, in the, the next three things that, that Peter says in this section of chapter 4, give us some clear instructions. Here's the first thing he says. Love deeply. Love deeply. Specifically, this is what he writes. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Let's dig into that a little bit. First of all, let's look at what it means to love de deeply. When you go back to the original Greek, you get a better understanding of that word. Uh, in other places in Scripture, that very same word is used to mean without ceasing or earnestly. So to love deeply means to love earnestly. To, to love without ceasing. It's, it's intense. It's with great care. It's with perseverance. When we love that way, Peter tells us that this kind of love can cover over a multitude of sins. Now, what does he mean there? Well, he means this. When we love without ceasing, when we love earnestly, when we love with that kind of perseverance, that then some of the sins that have been committed against us or others can be overcome. They can be forgiven because the power of that kind of love is stronger than sin. Now, that's not saying that we don't take sin seriously. In fact, 
Peter spent a lot of time in this letter urging us to display the holiness of God. So if the church simply ignored sin, we wouldn't be providing a faithful testimony to an unbelieving world. world. So what's Peter really saying here? He wants us to realize the power of love. And he's actually quoting from a proverb, Proverb 10. In the 12th verse in Proverbs 10, it says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. So Peter is concerned about the potential for divisive conflict among fellow believers. So he says love covers a multitude of sins, and that means that we don't go around looking for faults in others, that we go around seeking to think the best of others. And we uh, don't spend time lingering on past flaws or incidents, but rather we are always standing ready to forgive one another. After all, he says, the end is near, and we're going to spend eternity with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So I hope that command to love one another deeply causes you to reflect on your own life. Do you love like that? Do you love others deeply? I spent some time reflecting on that, and I thought, you know, uh, what would 2020 have looked like if followers of Jesus had loved one another deeply as we encountered the coronavirus and the response to it? What would have happened if followers of Christ had loved one another deeply as we encountered the racial unrest in our country? What would have happened if followers of Jesus had loved one another deeply as we faced a very polarized political election? You know, honestly, I believe if, if the followers of Jesus had loved one another deeply through 2020, it would have looked and felt very differently. Peter goes on, and he talks about that what we should do in the face of the end of time as we know it. And the next thing he tells us to do is to serve well. Serve one another well. So let, let me read to you what it says, beginning in verse 9 of chapter 4. Cheerfully share your home with those in need who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Now, we could place the command to show hospitality, honestly, in its own section. But, but ultimately, Peter's saying, you know, hospitality, serving through what we say or serving through what we do, we're all supposed to do this well as followers of Jesus. But let me talk about why hospitality was important then and it's still important today. Think about this. In the first century, there were no church buildings. And so everything for Christians happened in homes. So when Peter and Paul and the other disciples and, and new missionaries traveled, they relied on the hospitality of the body of Christ, not only to open their homes so that the church could gather, but these same disciples and apostles and missionaries relied on the hospitality of the body of Christ to, to actually provide their room, uh, their lodgings, and their meals during their travels. And, and while that is not necessarily the same today for uh, missionaries and Christian leaders, 
The need for hospitality still goes on. Why? Because it's a way that we can care for one another by inviting them into our homes and build them up as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a way that we can share the gospel by providing hospitality, inviting people who may not believe in Jesus into our house and love them and connect with them and be able to share with them about our faith in Jesus Christ. And so as uh, the weather gets warmer and as we uh, begin to feel like things are a little easier to connect with one another, I encourage you as, as followers of Jesus Christ to, to use that gift of hospitality to connect with your neighbors and with your friends and with folks who know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus. But let's, let's zoom back in on the next verse, chapter, uh, verse 10. It, Peter writes, God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, there is a lot of important information in that verse. First of all, we need to understand this, that God has given every single person who believes in Jesus Christ a spiritual gift. And while we all have a spiritual gift, not all of those gifts are the same. And the Bible makes it very clear that all of this is true. So... I want to encourage you to lean into your spiritual gift if you know what it is. If you don't want, if you don't know what it is, uh, I'm going to encourage you to do something very practical. At Valley Brook, we have uh, one of our pathways of discipleship is called Growth Track. In the month of April, we're going to be offering all four steps and successive Mondays. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that. It's all virtual. It's online. And you can uh, join that. And in Growth Track, you'll actually learn what your spiritual gifts are and actually have an opportunity to look at ways that you can begin to use those gifts. But let me go back to what Peter's talking about. It's very important for us to understand that God has given us spiritual gifts because we're supposed to use them to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church, to build up one another who are followers of Jesus Christ and to use those spiritual gifts to reach people who haven't believed in Jesus. Now, in Peter's section of this scripture, he doesn't go into all the different spiritual gifts. He actually just really puts spiritual gifts in two categories. Either they are speaking gifts or they are serving gifts. And so he says this, if you've been given a speaking gift, then you are to speak and use that gift as if God were speaking through you. So what's he saying here? That means really that, that we need to use the very word of God. We need to use the scriptures to encourage one another, to teach one another, to instruct one another, to help one another grow. Uh, not putting our own ideas into it, not bringing in philosophy from other people, not bringing in anything from other religious views, but really going on the word of God and using it to build up and encourage one another in Christ. Now, after he talks about the speaking gifts, he goes and talks about the serving gifts. And this is what he says. Do you have the gifts, uh, the gift of helping others? And do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Now, there is a spiritual gift of helps. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all the gifts that don't you require for you to teach or instruct or, or preach. Uh, he's actually talking about those that ask you to serve. And he's saying, listen, Use that gift to serve one another well, to, to minister to people, to care for them, to build them up, to share love with them, to help them meet those needs that they have. And he actually reminds us that uh, 
if you're using your spiritual gift, if you lean into how God has gifted you, you're not going to be exhausted by it because God's going to give you the strength and the energy that you need to use that gift. But here's the big idea about all of this. He says, use it well to serve one another. So serve one another well. And I can make this promise to you. When you use those spiritual gifts as God has called you to, you're going to find joy. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find excitement. Being able to do what God has gifted you and called you to do, you will find that satisfaction in serving God and serving him well. Here's the final thing that Peter says in this section. Do everything for the glory of God. Do everything for the glory of God. So let me read verse 11, the second half of it. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So every follower of Jesus should make it their life's goal to live every moment of their life for the glory of God, doing everything for him. I appreciate these words of Pastor Juan Sanchez. He writes this, After all, the aim of our earnest love is the glory of God through Jesus Christ. We glorify God by living a normal, ordinary Christian life, which is the life of a believer who knows the end is near, who keeps his or her head, who prays, loves well, welcomes much, and uses their gifts for the church. If you live like that, God is glorified in you because you display Christ's work in and through you. As we love one another, those around us will come to realize now or to confess on the last day that God the Father has sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world and that we belong to him. So let me ask you this question. If you knew that the world would end soon, would it change how you live now? Certainly it would. You know what? You would hug your loved ones a little longer. You would make sure you would say to them the things that you haven't said to them that you needed to say to let them know how much you love them and care for them. But would it change your character for the better? If it would, you have to ask yourself, why Am I not living that way right now? We, the body of Christ, have been called to live this way, to love deeply, to serve others well, and do it all for the glory of God. And we're called to do that constantly, to live our lives that way. And I have to think, what would have happened over the past 12 months? If we had lived that way. If Christians had said, you know what? I'm going to choose faith and not fear. I'm going to love and not hate. I'm going to choose to put God first and not politics or other issues. What if Christians had embraced the teachings of Peter and said regarding the coronavirus, I know this pandemic is unprecedented and people have strong opinions about it, but I'm going to love deeply. I'm going to serve others well, and I'm going to do everything I can for the glory of God. 
What if Christians had embraced the teachings of Peter and said, regarding this racial reckoning, I know racism is a sin, and I know people of color are hurting, so I'm going to love deeply. I'm going to serve others well, and I'm going to do everything I can to live for the glory of God. What if Christians had embraced the teachings of Peter and said, regarding this election, I know this country is polarized politically, so I'm going to love deeply. I'm going to serve others well, and I'm going to do everything I can for the glory of God. Now, the reality is this. We can't live the past 12 months over, and honestly, I know none of us want to go back. But we can decide how we're going to live going forward. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, my challenge to you, my challenge to me, my challenge to all of us is that we love deeply, that we serve others well, and that we do everything for the glory of God. Now, I want to pray for us all to do that. And as I do that, I recognize that there may be somebody in the room or online who's listening and says, is that what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it does. It means to actually believe in Jesus and follow his teaching. And if you've never professed faith in him, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. And I'm going to offer you a a prayer that you can pray silently here in the room or online. And uh, then I'm going to close us all in this prayer that we would be able to live this way for Jesus. So I invite you to bow your heads. Lord, as we've come here today and we've looked into your word, we've seen what it means to live for Christ. And so for anyone who's never put their faith in Jesus and they want to today to tell him that they believe in him, simply repeat these phrases to God. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died and paid for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And now I want to live for him forever. And I commit my life to him. And we'll say amen to that part of the prayer. And now I pray for all of us. Lord, your word tells us over and over, not just here in the first letter of Peter, but over and over that we're supposed to live for your glory, that we're supposed to love others deeply like you have loved us, that that we are supposed to serve others well like you have served us. So I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we would have that in our brains all the time, to live for your glory. Because we know what that means. We know what it looks like. And when we do that, we know that we're honoring you. So Lord, help us do that. Help us lean into our faith and discover our gifts. Help us serve others like you would serve them. Help us love them the way that we have been loved. And Lord, when we make a mistake, help us admit it and ask for forgiveness and rededicate ourselves to doing what you've called us to do. We thank you, Lord, that you care for us and love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.